0: The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where the independent new authors come first. Readers can enjoy stories of happiness, laughter, and respect in the new book by Carol Erickson. And it's titled The Backyard Gang, A Collection of Stories, Volume 1. Carol is sitting down here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Carol, thank you very much for joining me tonight.
1: Oh, thank you. I'm
0: glad to be here. I'm really curious to hear what kind of stories you've told in The Backyard Gang. Could you tell me all about it?
1: Sure. Well, first of all, the book is composed of seven stories. And the book is about our differences and accepting those differences in kindness. And all the characters are different and have something unusual about them. One of the characters, Super Trooper, is a dog whose bark sounds like a roar. And another character, Al, the cat with no tail, doesn't have a tail. So those are just a few examples of the characters who live in the backyard. And the goal and message of the book is for children to learn to accept and respect each other, regardless of their differences. Hmm. What inspired me to uh, write the book was, you know, the children in general who have disabilities or special needs, or the children who are being bullied in school or just feel alone, Hmm. kids with cancer or burn victims wheelchairs, you know, I just want them to know that they're special and unique and they bring lots of smiles to the world and they are loved.
0: Hmm. How long were you working on this?
1: Actually, it took me several years. Uh, I was looking for, you know, a good publisher and just to expand on my ideas. So it took me about two years.
0: Is this the first time you've done anything like this? Have you written or published before?
1: Yes, this is the first time I have written a book. Congratulations.
0: So how did it feel when you got that first copy in your hands after all that time and all that work?
1: Actually, I felt really good thinking like, wow, you know, I, I actually did it now. And then I asked myself, well, what are you going to do with it? So I'm just trying to get the message of my book out there. That's what I'm working on right now and just trying to market my book and characters.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So this is volume one. Have you planned out more volumes? Do you know what you're going to write from here on out?
1: Volume 2, yes, I'm currently working on Volume 2, and I'm just trying to gather my ideas and and expand on Volume 1.
0: Now you've been through the writing and the publishing processes. What advice could you have for the aspiring authors who are listening right now?
1: I guess I could say don't give up. You're Mm -hmm. going to have people to tell you, you know, it's a waste of time or nothing will ever come of your book. But how in the world do they know, right? I heard, you know, that Mary Poppins was actually took 20 years in the making. You know, I saved my thoughts and ideas until I could put them in a story. So your day will come, too, if you keep at it. And age doesn't matter.
0: While you were writing the stories for the Backyard Gang, did you have a certain group of readers, maybe an age range of children in mind?
1: Yes, actually, uh, children ages 13 and under, or actually anyone who needs a pick-me-up or needs, you know, to feel good. Mm. That's what my stories are all about, they're feel-good stories. So when you read my book, you can't help but to feel good afterwards. So it's for adults as well.
0: And we certainly need more positivity out there in life. Parents are always
1: inspirational. You know, they give you, they teach you the strength, you know, to go on and and not give up. So I, I guess it was my parents.
0: Oftentimes, when you're a writer, it also means you like to read. Would you call yourself an avid reader?
1: I like to read everything. You know, if you don't stick with the one type of reading, you know you kind of limit yourself. So I try to expand and read everything because the more you know, the more you can help others and yourself.
0: But certainly important to be diverse in what you read. And also reading can help you improve your craft and give you a lot of ideas. Do you ever get writer's block?
1: Yes, I do. Actually, what enables me to write is like, you know, I have to be in a happy place in my mind and I have to be in a happy surroundings around me. Otherwise, it just doesn't flow. So positive, positiveness and happiness really means a lot when you're writing.
0: Absolutely. And thank you for using your gifts and your talents to inspire readers and to teach children all these important things. The name of the book is The Backyard Gang, A Collection of Stories, Volume 1. It's written by Carol Erickson, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find it everywhere that you shop for books, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Well, Carol, thank you again for joining me here tonight. I had a really nice time talking with you.
1: Thank you. Likewise. I appreciate you having me.
0: Sitting with me here right now at the Reader House Author Roundtable is author Jerry Black. Jerry, thank you for joining me today. Thank you. You've got a new book out right now. It's called Aging with Joy and Impact, a practical spiritual guide for baby boomers Could you tell us what it's all about? Well, it's about the importance
3: of spirituality among seniors today. There are 76 million baby boomers out there. And I I wrote the book to comfort them and to challenge them. I I wrote it to comfort them because whether you're Catholic, Protestant, or Jewish, most of us grew up in religions where there was a lot of guilt established. You know, God was an angry God, and we were going to go to hell if we sinned and all that. And a lot of people jump shift, and I wanted to get the kind of comfort them that the importance of spirituality here. But on the other hand, I wanted to challenge them. If you get to 65 these days there's a great chance you're going to live to 85. Hmm. And what do you do with those 20 years, you know? And I'm encouraging people to be joyful, you know, be positive about it and also to have some impact to serve other people. And that's different for every person, but you know, it can be very simple. It can be just be a nice person, be pleasant. That's basically what it what it's all about.
0: Hmm. So how did you get the idea for this, or where did the inspiration for it come from?
3: When I was young, we lived in Chicago, but all of our relatives were in Cincinnati, and we'd go there about once a year. And uh, there were a lot of senior citizens. My mother was the youngest of 11. Mm. Most of the aunts and the uncles and all that were much older, and they were lively people, kind of full of hell, you know? And I, I always thought that was a good model for what a senior should be like or what senior living should be like. Then, as I just, I realized, when I turned 65, I expected to live another 20 or 25 years. And I thought, you know, there's things we should be doing to serve others, to impact others. That was kind of the premise of the whole book. Hmm.
0: Is this the first time you've written or the first time you've been published at all? Yes, it's the first time published. It's a huge deal to, yeah, get your first book out there. What would you say was the most challenging part about the whole thing?
3: Part of it was all the surgeries I had in the last couple of years and keeping to it, you know, getting to it and in some sense doing the research. So I had a basis for many of the things. Actually, it wasn't that challenging, but I interviewed 30 seniors, and uh, that was a very helpful in getting the um, basis for a lot of this. I, there were 16 of them I told their stories in the book because mm. they were so inspirational. And they, these were all definitely joyful and impactful seniors.
0: Mm. Did this take you a long time to do?
3: Well, yeah. You know what? I think it took three years altogether. Mm. And a lot of that was, yeah, I had more surgeries than I could count in there. Mm. But also, all the interviewing process and process, you know, doing the processing those and writing up the story, that it
0: took some time. Mm, sure. So now, do you have any words of advice for the aspiring authors out there who want to get their first work out as well?
3: Sit down at the computer and start typing. Mm. I, I, I found that very effective. I mean, I just I just typed away my thoughts, and you know, then you go back and you you expand and you massage and you edit and all that, and, and sometimes you there are pieces of a book there there are thoughts you have that you want to get across, hmm. but you get them down, and then you kind of all of a sudden the overall theme comes kind of comes out and jumps out at you, and then you you organize them into into that process.
0: What are the chances you'll be writing again and pursuing more publishing?
3: I don't know. I'm 74 now, and I'm (laughs) just—I don't know if I have the energy. I would welcome the opportunity if a thought comes to me that I really want to get out there.
0: I encourage our listeners to check this one out. It's called Aging with Joy and Impact, a Practical Spiritual Guide for Baby Boomers. It's written by Jerry Black and published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find this everywhere that you shop for your reading material like Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Jerry, thank you again for joining me here tonight. I had a great time learning about your book and chatting with you. Thank you for the opportunity. It's a celebration of life, people, and faith. It's the new book by Rachel McClellan, and it's titled Poetically Speaking Down Through the Years. I'm really happy that Rachel is joining me here right now. Rachel, thank you for joining me today. Good morning to you. Thanks for having me. Can you tell me all about poetically speaking down through the years? It's a book of poetry
4: written about my journey through life. It's poems I've written through my observation of certain situations. Poems of love, joy, admiration, anguish, heartache, loss, and faith. For instance, I was at Johns Hopkins Hospital a support for my mother, who's taking a class to deal with her onset of diabetes. I wrote a poem about the other patients, doctors, the nurses, and I called it "Coping" by Johns Hopkins. It was, it was published in one of the in their annual magazine. And also a poem I called "Though the Distance Heaven Is Worth the Sweat," published by the United Baptist Missionary Monthly Magazine. I entered a poetry contest sponsored by Baltimore's Best by W. J. Z. and the Mayor William Donald Schaefer. I won that prize, and also presented me with the he also presented me with the winning check. My book, I uh, have 235 pages, 78 poems,
0: five chapters. Is this the first book you've written or had published?
4: Yes, it is. I've been published by different magazines and stuff like that, but the first book.
0: Oh, congratulations on getting your first book out there. How did it feel when you got that first one in your hands?
4: I was so elated, I kissed the book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I jumped up and down and hugged people and did all kinds of stupid stuff. It was wonderful to see my work in publishing a book. I've seen it in papers and newspapers and things like that. But this was really great for me. I was just elated.
0: Would you think about doing it again, maybe writing and publishing another book in the future?
4: I said to myself that I have more poems. I'm thinking of writing another book. And I said to myself, and not now, when? Because I'm getting a little older, I'm not getting any younger. So it has become my inspirational motive since I'm already
0: 92 years old. What a fantastic attitude to have. So what advice would you give to people who maybe haven't written a book yet, but feel like they want to?
4: I would say if you have an, if you have anything, writing or whatever you wanted to do, now is the time. You should always deal with the day that you have, because you never know when you have a problem or you can't do this or that or get too late. It's better to be right. And early, and just go ahead and do it. You never know when you get another chance.
0: What happens when you're writing and you hit writer's block and the words won't come out anymore? What do you do?
4: Oh, yeah, that's true. You do get writer's block. You have to fight your way through it. Mm-hmm. And if it just seems impossible, I just sit there and just wait and think. And sometimes I look at other people's work and it just inspires me how they, if they can do it, I can do it.
0: Absolutely. Can you say that there's a person or maybe multiple people in your life who have been most inspirational or motivational to you?
4: My mother, my mother when we were coming up, we, were, we weren't, didn't have anything really in the way of toys or even books. I don't know where my mother got these books.
2: Hmm.
4: I think she got them from people that she used to work for. And on Saturdays, she would entertain us. It was fabulous. And she used to entertain us by standing on the stairs repeating poems about Paul Lawrence Dunbar, Henry R. Worden Longfellow, all people like that. And that inspired me. She would, And then she would tell us, give us poems to write and recite that she picked up for each one of us. Mm-hmm. And that stuck with me. It inspired me. And I started, began writing at the age of nine. And then I, when I went to school, I started writing schools and I started writing poems. And I started beginning to write plays. And my grandparents used to come to see my plays and uh, encourage me to keep on doing it.
0: Mm. Well, Rachel, thank you for using your gifts to inspire us through your poetry. The book is called Poetically Speaking Down Through the Years. It's written by Rachel McClellan, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find this everywhere that you get your reading material at Amazon and Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Rachel, thank you again for joining me here today. I had a wonderful time learning about your poetry and speaking with you.
4: Thank you very much for asking me.
0: Author Susie Wonderly-Clark is joining me here right now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Susie, thanks for being here with me tonight.
5: Well, thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: It's great to have you here. You got a new book out right now. It's called Bernie Bakes a Cake. Could you tell me about it?
5: Yeah, it's just, it's a children's picture book. It's been a labor of love. It's about, you know, a family folk lore about myself and my mom. And it's just kind of a fun, engaging little story.
0: Hmm. How did the idea for the story come about?
5: You know, I had been tossing it around in my head for years. Then my mom passed away three years ago. Mm, Sorry. Oh, thank you. But it's really kind of in honor of her. It's It's just one of those family stories that gets told and retold and everybody laughs about. And I thought, you know, I've got to get this in print. That'll just be something nice in honor of my mom. And the words, about two years ago, the words just started coming. And I was able to pen it pretty easily. And then, you know, obviously had a bunch of revisions. It was interesting how it just kind of popped into my head one day.
0: That's wonderful. Is this the first time you've done anything like this?
5: Yes, absolutely. Uh,
0: How long did it take you to do all together?
5: Oh, a couple of years. I mean, because I found my own illustrator, which, you know, I was clueless. I didn't know that I necessarily didn't need to, but I'm so grateful I did. So we worked side by side, the illustrator and myself, and she really caught the vision of what I had envisioned. And um, she was fantastic. And we worked really well together. So I think that that may be why it took a little bit longer. And I didn't know where to start. So Fulton Books has been amazing for me.
0: Bernie Bakes a Cake is a children's picture book, like you said. Did you have a certain age range of children in mind?
5: Yes, I was thinking, you know, three to ten. I know that's a broad spectrum, but I think it's funny enough for older kids to get it and make them laugh. But it's also easy enough for younger, younger children.
0: So you've written a book for the first time. You've been through the publishing process for the first time. I'm sure you learned a lot. Is there any advice that you could give for aspiring authors listening right now?
5: Yeah, I think just continue. If you have a dream, just continue to plug away and just keep trying. It doesn't matter how many times you get told no. Or I mean, if you, if you really believe in something, I think you just keep going for it. Hmm. I was lucky to find some good people at Fulton Books and and I actually had some friends that um, have published and gave me some advice. So that, that was priceless to me.
0: Hmm. What are the chances Bernie might make a return in a sequel of some sort?
5: Like 99%. <laughs> 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 she, I'm actually already working on the sequel that's in editing right now. So the chances are actually very good. <laughs>
0: mm. What would you say was the most challenging part of the whole thing from writing it out to final publishing?
5: I think finding the right publisher was very challenging. And I worried along the way about having what I envisioned translate to paper, mm. if that makes sense. And then I think I think waiting. <laughs> mm. I'm not a patient person, so I think <laughs> waiting for everything to come to completion was was a little hard.
0: So after all that work, all that waiting, and everything you put into it, how did it feel when you held that first copy in your hands?
5: Oh, it was amazing. I mean, that is a dream come true, to see your name in print and and your dream on paper. Yeah, it was amazing.
0: You talked about consulting some people, looking for advice while you were writing this book. Were there other people in your life who you would say were motivational or inspirational to you along the way?
5: Well, yeah, for sure. My mom. And I felt... You know, it's funny because I wanted to write down this story before she passed. I've wanted to write this story down for years, but it wasn't until she passed away that I felt the urgency. But my brother is a writer and he's always been inspirational to me. Yeah, he was invaluable. I have a good friend and neighbor that is an author as well. And and his advice was priceless. Mm. So and I look up to to both of those men completely.
0: Well, I encourage our listeners to check this out. It's called Bernie Bakes a Cake. It's written by Susie Wonderly clark and it's published by Fulton Books. You can find this everywhere that you shop for books, like on Amazon, at Barnes & Noble, at iTunes and Google Play, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Well, Susie, thanks for joining me here again tonight. I had a great time learning about Bernie Bakes a Cake and just a really nice time talking with you.
5: Thank you, Corey. I appreciate it.
0: A Love Song Just For You is a book that's in stores now by Gloria Johnson. And Gloria is joining me here right now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Gloria, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here with me tonight.
2: Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here.
0: I'm excited to be speaking with you. Could you tell me all about A Love Song Just For You?
2: Well, it is really a book about a book. It's about the book in the Bible, Song of Solomon. Hmm. The goal of the book is to try to encourage believers to have a stronger personal relationship with the Lord and to recognize how precious we are to God. I came to want to write about this after I pondered some readings in the Song of Solomon. The Lord shared revelations with me, and I just felt in my spirit that I just had to share with others so that they could also try to grow in the Lord and to understand more about who we are in Him.
0: Who would you say your ideal readers would be?
2: Well, I believe the book is ideal for everyone for boys and girls, men and women, believers and non-believers. Jesus said that he came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. Mm. And he also came to give us an opportunity to have a full relationship with the Father again. And John 3.16 tells us that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believed in him would not perish but have everlasting life. So this book is for whosoever. It's for everybody. And the goal is to try to encourage everyone, all of God's creations, to have a personal, closer walk with the Lord.
0: Hmm. Now, when it comes to writing and publishing, have you ever done anything like this before?
2: No, this is my first time writing a book, something total new, totally new. have never done it before, but I'm so excited that you know I was able to accomplish it hmm. and pray that it uh, glorifies God and help to advance the kingdom of God. But that's my goal and my desire.
0: About how long were you working on it?
2: Oh, it took four years. I started in 2018, and... I probably would not have been finished yet, but a couple events happened that prompted me to get busy. Hmm. One was the death of my brother daniel I'm sorry in December two thousand nineteen and another was the pandemic in two thousand twenty and with those two events, I realized that you know time is not promised. Hmm. We are all here for a certain season, and while we are here, we should be about. The works the Lord has sent us here to do. So I thought about well, He had given me this topic in 2018, and I had been lagging, lagging. But after those two events, I decided, let me get busy and move on through this. Mm. It did take a little while, but thankfully I made it to the end. Mm.
0: After all that time and energy spent on this, how did it feel? when you got that first copy in your hands?
2: Well, I was thankful and of course, prayerful, you know, praying that it would be a a blessing to many and that God would be glorified, that the kingdom would be advanced because that's my desire to, it's not about me. It's not about me making an accomplishment or making a name for myself. I want to advance the kingdom of God. I want men and women to know him for themselves, to have a personal relationship with him. And if I can do anything to help advance that, then that's what I would like to do. Hmm. I just feel honored that the Lord would use me to share his word in a written form to be a blessing to others and to try to advance his kingdom. And if it's just one person who is blessed through this book, it is worth it.
0: I encourage our listeners to check this book out. It's called A Love Song Just For You. It's written by Gloria Johnson and published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find it everywhere that you shop for your books, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and down the street at your local bookstore. Gloria, thank you so much again for joining me here tonight at the show. I really appreciate your time, and I had a great time talking with you.
2: Thank you. I enjoyed it as well.
0: We here at the Reader House Author Roundtable love books that pass wisdom on to the younger generation. Author Jan Sherman is doing just that in her new book, Brandon the Bee, Be you. I'm really happy to be joined by Jan here right now. Jan, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here.
6: Oh, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity.
0: Could you tell me all about Brandon the Bee, Be you?
6: Absolutely. This book is near and dear to my heart. It is about bullying and how Brandon the Bee has a blue stripe and he was bullied and how Queen Bee just tells him that he's perfect just the way he is and that he should embrace his differences and just kind of encouraging him. And then he goes through this dream of this mean bee. It's Lucas the Bully Bee. And he just is um, making fun of his blue stripe and Brandon the Bee is just scared. But then something inside of him wells up and he's got this incredible confidence. And he just says, blue stripe power. And and he just realizes that he's got something somebody else doesn't have. Mm. The whole moral of this book is bullying is a real thing and children get bullied, but if we can embrace our differences, we can see that we are special just the way we are. Mm,
0: What a great message. Did you have an age range of children in mind when you wrote this? Probably four to eight. How did you get the idea for this story?
6: Well, you know what? I just wanted to bring simple life lessons to children in a way that they can understand. And I know that that's something that they struggle with. And this main character, Brandon the Bee, is kind of after my late son, Brandon, mm-hmm. and some of the things he went through. And I wanted to bring that out and just just have little children understand that they they are wonderful. So I'm just trying to pick, and this, and Brandon the Bee is a book series. My Mm. first book was called Be Kind, and then this one's Be You. So it's just bringing good morals into the homes and to to the lives of children.
0: Mm. Certainly. Thank you for that. Now, you mentioned this being a series. Do you have more planned then after this?
6: Absolutely. Yeah, I'm working on my third Brandon the Bee book now.
0: That's wonderful. How long does it take you to write a book like this?
6: Oh, gosh. Usually, well, the first two books have really come fairly easy. As long as I have a topic and think through the plot and the characters that I want in it, it goes fairly quick. But honestly, writing children's books to me is a lot harder than Mm. writing an adult book. Mm. It's just you've got to get the message right in a way that they understand and keep it short and simple. And so that's kind of what I do. But it probably took me maybe three months to write it.
0: Another big part of children's books are the illustrations. Uh, What kind of uh, process was that like for you?
6: You know what? I work with Fulton Books, and they are amazing. And their illustrators are top-notch. And if something isn't right, because I have a picture in my mind, then I just kind of let them know, no, can we tweak it this way? Can we do it this way? And they are wonderful to work with.
0: A lot of our listeners are aspiring authors. They want to write their first book. They want to get their message out there to the world. Do you have any words of advice that you could offer?
6: Just do it. If that's a passion, a burning in your heart, then you're supposed to do that. And you just have to make time. Nobody has time, but we have to make the time and sit down and just just start jotting some points down, some bullet points of things that you want to get across, things the message that you want to bring. And you just start writing, and it will come. It, sometimes there's that whole writer's block. Well, then you just stop, and you go to it the next day. But it will come, and it's amazing. The process is amazing.
0: The name of the book is Brandon the Bee, Be It's written by Jan Sherman and published by Fulton Books. You can find this everywhere that you shop for reading material, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Well, Jan, it was great having you on the show here today. Thank you for putting this great message out there for our children to learn about. I hope we can do this again soon.
6: Absolutely, and thank you so much.
0: How can children be godly examples? Author Joe Pack answers that in her new book, Scooter Squirrel, Adventures Through the Ten Commandments. Joe is right here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Joe, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me.
7: Thank you for having me.
0: Can you tell me all about what you've written in Scooter Squirrel?
7: Of course. Scooter Squirrel Adventures Through the Ten Commandments is a charming, informative children's narrative. You know, Corey, there is so much hatred, disrespect, and chaos in our nation, Hmm. which most likely began with taught behavior or uncorrected bad behaviors in our children. Scooter Squirrel's grandmother, who has a very loving, honest relationship with her girls, notices some bad behaviors developing and decides it's time to teach them God's Ten Commandments. Now, Scooter was born differently from all the other squirrels in that her tail has seven different colors. Her grandmother explains what each color represents how the number seven is special in both of their lives and what that number seven means to God. After learning the Ten Commandments, the four of them form a circle, lifts their hands toward heaven as their grandmother prays a prayer, thanking God for the lessons learned and asks God to use her granddaughters for his glory. Immediately after she finishes praying, The glory of the Lord filled the room, and the spirit of the Lord fell upon them. The girls were changed and received special powers from the Lord to help in their service to God.
0: What a wonderful story. Where did the idea for this come from?
7: Well, i tell you, Scooter Squirrel was birthed in my spirit some 30 years ago. Hmm. At the beginning of second or third grade, one of my son's projects was to write a short story. Squirrels were plentiful in our neighborhood, so we decided to write about a squirrel and name him Scooter. I don't know who came up with the name, but this time, Scooter is a girl, and back then, Scooter
0: was a boy. Did you have an age range of children in mind when you wrote this?
7: Maybe from birth, babies, because I I know most people read to their babies. I know I did. Mm. On through middle school. Scooter Square is such a a cutie pie, and almost everyone loves an adventure. Hmm. Plus there are very colorful illustrations all through the book. Hmm.
0: Yeah, the illustrations are so important when it comes to children's books. What was that process like for you?
7: Oh, the, the process was great. This is not my first time writing a book. So the process was great. I went with the same publishing company, Christian Faith, who've been wonderful throughout both of my publications.
0: How long does it take you to write this and then format it for publishing, get the illustrations done, and have it released?
7: Well, once I sat down and and began working diligently on this project, it took me approximately three months
0: to finish it.
7: But the whole process, I would say, took maybe about 12 months.
0: And do you have more on the way? Have you been thinking about more books to publish?
7: Of course, this is not a one and done for Scooter and her two sisters. We're going to have more life lessons in the future to come.
0: Fantastic. We're looking forward to that. Do you have any advice for the aspiring authors who are listening out there right now?
7: Yes. Don't procrastinate, especially if an idea keeps coming in your spirit over and over. The enemy doesn't want us to do anything good. The hardest part is the starting point. Once you get past that, then it will flow.
0: There's nothing like seeing the final product after a long time of working on it. And what did it feel like when you got that first copy in your
7: hands? Oh, so much joy. Mm. So much joy. Like I had been working on a project near and dear to my heart to see it finally manifest into something awesome. I just looked at it and said, to God be the glory. It's awesome.
0: Mm. Well, I encourage our listeners to check this out. The name of the book is Scooter Squirrel Adventures Through the 10 Commandments. It's written by Joe Pack and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find this everywhere that you shop for reading material on Amazon, at Barnes & Noble, on iTunes and traditional brick and mortar stores too. Joe, thank you again for being here tonight. I had a great time learning about Scooter Squirrel. Looking forward to the adventures coming ahead and really nice time chatting.
7: Thank you. I had a good time also.
0: Now I'm speaking with author Joyce M. Green here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Joyce, welcome to the show. Thank you for speaking with me tonight. Well, thank you for the invitation. It's very nice having you here. You've written a new book. It's out in stores right now. It's called Ride the Wind, the Andy Green Story, Sailor, Engineer, Entrepreneur. It sounds like Andy's life was truly extraordinary. Can you tell me all about this book?
8: Yes, I'll be happy to. It's a biography about Andy Green, and he's really had an exciting, unique life. As the cover of the book states, he's a sailor, he's an engineer, and an entrepreneur, had his own company.
0: So what gave you the idea or what inspired you to take the life story and write it and publish it?
8: I started out because our grandchildren, I wanted them to really know us. Mm -hmm. So I was going to write a little something. I didn't even know it would be a book but I was going to write something for them. Hmm. And as I got into it, you know, I think his story is unique and I think it's very exciting. It is exciting. The things he likes are something everybody likes and we've had ups and downs and blessings and uh, tragedies and (laughs) done a lot of traveling and met a lot of interesting people and I just decided to let everybody know about that.
0: Hmm. How long were you working on this? About three months. Have you ever taken anything on like this before? What's your writing and publishing background like?
8: Nothing. This is brand new for me.
0: I'm sure you learned an awful lot. What was the toughest part of the process for you?
8: I suppose the editing, you know, which went on and on and on. But I'm glad that we went through that, and I hope we've gotten all of the errors and things out of the book.
0: It certainly can be a long process, takes a lot of work, but like you said, definitely worth it because you're going to catch things that you might not have caught the first couple times around.
8: Absolutely, and they're very thorough. Fulton Books did a great job.
0: Mm. Now, what did it feel like after that work, and and being that this story is so personal to you, uh, what did it feel like whenever you got that first copy in your hands?
8: Well, I was awed, (laughs) Mm. and uh, it was exciting and very fulfilling.
0: We have a lot of listeners out here right now who want to write a book. They're aspiring authors. Could you give them any words of wisdom, any advice?
8: Yes, I can tell them this. You must have an inspiration, you know, a subject, something that really turns you on, something you really want to write about. And then once you've gotten into it, you, as Andy says, you just keep on keeping on because there are going to be obstacles and setbacks, Mm. but you've got to have determination.
0: Absolutely. Have you given any thought or consideration to writing more and maybe publishing more books? No, not at this point. Oftentimes when you write, that also means that you've got a thing for reading, too. Would you call yourself an avid reader? Yes, I would. What sorts of reading do you find yourself going to?
8: Well, I like just about every different genre. Mm-hmm. I like uh, historical, adventure, mysteries, travel, religious, you name it. And I've read many, many things on, you know, in all of those venues.
0: That's fantastic that you're so diverse in everything that you're taking in. Now, you said you wrote this book primarily for your grandchildren so that they would know the story and so that they would have something. Were there people in your life who knew that you were writing this book? It's quite a big project to be taken on. So did you have people who could sort of encourage you and motivate you and and sort of egg you along?
8: Yes, we have, shall I say, a plethora of friends. Many of them are mentioned in the book, so of course I contacted them. As many of them, some of them are dead now. They're gone. They can't be contacted. But I did contact everyone I could who is in the book and, of course, asked for their permission and what they thought about it. And they were all, without exception, delighted to be included. So it made me feel very good.
0: That's wonderful to hear. I encourage our listeners to check this book out. It's called Ride the Wind. The Andy Green Story, Sailor, Engineer, Entrepreneur. It's written by Joyce M. Green, and it's published by Fulton Books. You can find it everywhere that you shop for books, on Amazon, at Barnes & Noble, on iTunes, Google Play, and down the street at your local bookstore, too. Joyce, thanks again for coming on the show and telling me all about this book and about the significant life of Andy Green. I had a really nice time talking with you.
8: Okay, and I enjoyed talking with you. Thank you for the invitation.
0: Author Kevin Johnson is here with me right now. His new book examines the current state of law enforcement. It's titled The Crumbling Walls What is Wrong with Law Enforcement in America? Welcome to the show, Kevin. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. Thank you. Can you tell me all about what you've written in The Crumbling Wall?
9: Yeah, you know, it's about my experience with being a law enforcement officer for long enough to retire, but the frustrations that I saw with just continually doing or watching administrations do the wrong thing and wondering why that was. And after getting to the point of being able to retire, being basically pushed out the door because I just wouldn't go on with the way they wanted things to be.
0: I really appreciate the perspective you're taking on this. I I noticed you make it a point to say that the book isn't about putting down law enforcement individuals. It's about tackling the law enforcement subject as a whole.
9: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, the, the men and women on the street are literally killing themselves out there to, to try to keep us all safe, and they're not being supported like they should be.
0: So what gave you the idea or the inspiration to write this and publish it?
9: You know, again, the frustrations of, of great law enforcement officers with great ideas not being supported, but when new chiefs of police come in, the first thing they promise you is exactly what they're not going to do, and then, you know, after a, a career of doing it, figuring out why that is, and basically having a system that doesn't support stopping crime because crime pays. Mm.
0: Have you ever done this kind of thing before? Have you ever written a book or been published? No. no.
9: Had I done it before I could retire, I certainly probably would have never made it to retire.
0: About how long did it take you to write this and then put it through the publishing process? I started writing,
9: you know, a couple of years, because I didn't just sit down and do it all at once. The publishing process didn't actually take very long at all. Hmm. That was pretty smooth once once we got it going.
0: How did it feel? What were you thinking then, whenever you got that first copy in your hands? It was emotionally
9: exhausting mm-hmm. because I had held so much in for so long, and then to get it down and on paper, and then to actually see it done—it was, like I said, it was just—it was exhausting, hmm. but relieved, you know relieved that it was it was it was finally for real
0: Mm. law enforcement it is a hot topic right now were you met with any resistance when you published this
9: no not yet you know because i think you know if you read it if you're a good cop you're going to agree with everything you read if something in it bothers you then you may have some inward looking to do Mm.
0: so now that you've done this for the first time i'm sure you learned a lot about the process would you have any words of advice for the aspiring authors out there
9: People have talked to me about it and said, you know, what do I do? You know, what's the first step? And I said, you know, the first step is to just write it. Hmm. Because when I got with Fulton Books, they walked you through the rest of it Hmm. with figuring out what to do and where to go and what to do with it. They Hmm. made it easy. And it was someone you could call. And so for people that want to write something, just write it. Put it on paper. Don't worry about how it looks. Just write it. And then they'll take it from there.
0: Something that's very wise is that you partner with a reputable publisher, you know, someone who knows all the ropes and knows all the hoops. you got to jump through and get a really great quality book out there.
9: Yeah, actually, um, I have a friend of mine that did a a self-publishing, and it took him forever, and he didn't have many questions answered ever Mm. that, you know, I could call a publisher. What do I do about this? What do I need, you know, what do I need to get that done? Mm. It's answers at the tip of his fingers where he would have nobody to go to. And it wasn't a pleasant experience for him. He walked away from it like, yeah, I won't do that again Mm. because it was so hard for him. And I don't have that at all. You know, I would do it again in a minute. You know, it was that simple.
0: Well, that's fantastic. That's the next thing I was going to ask. If you had another book in you, if you're thinking of doing this again.
9: Yeah. You know, and people have asked me that also. I want to see what kind of reception I get from this. And then, uh, you know, I've got some some other experiences, very positive experiences I had as a police officer that I could share that may be able to help some people. So, you know, I want to see how much negativity I get from this topic. But, yeah, I do want to share kind of a lot of the positive community stories that we came across in in, in my time.
0: That'd be wonderful. Yeah. I encourage our listeners to check this book out. It's called The Crumbling Wall. What is wrong with law enforcement in America? It's written by Kevin Johnson and published by Fulton Books. You can find it everywhere that you shop for your books, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Well, Kevin, thank you so much again for joining me. I really enjoyed learning about the crumbling wall. It was a nice time chatting tonight. I appreciate it. The great state of Alaska is not only breathtaking in its beauty, but boasts of a rich history. And that's the focus of the new book, Alaska Veterans. And I'm joined by the author, retired United States Air Force Colonel Sue Wright Novak. Sue Ellen, thank you for joining me tonight.
10: Oh, my privilege and pleasure.
0: Can you tell me all about what you've written in Alaska Veterans?
10: Alaska Veterans is an expanded version of the guided tour that I gave for years of the Alaska Veterans Museum. Hmm. And so it tells little known stories. I mean even the Alaskans that are up here, they don't they don't know this history. Wow. And so this introduces all of that and for our visitors who are up here, it gives them a chance to take something home so that other people can hear those stories.
0: Was there anything in particular that inspired you or sparked the idea to write this?
10: Well, I'm the founding executive director for the museum. And the number of people that I would have come in that would take tours with me would say, hey, you know, is any of this written down? Or maybe what you should do is maybe you should put flyers at each exhibit telling the story. I says, no, people aren't going to take the time to do that. And so that kind of birthed the idea of writing a book. Hmm.
0: Have you ever done this kind of thing before? What does your writing background look like?
10: Writing for the Air Force. (laughs) No, I don't have a writing background. This is this was something totally new and different.
0: Wow. Congratulations on getting a book out there. Thank you. I'm sure you learned a lot. What was the most challenging part of writing and publishing?
10: Oh, I guess just the length of the process because of everything that you have to go through. Mm. And, of course, being in the military, I wasn't necessarily used to someone else's time frame. <laughs> <laughs> But it has been a great experience. Christian Faith Publishing is the best, and I would highly recommend it to any of the authors
0: out there. Would you do it again? Would you think about writing another book?
10: Well, actually, I have thought about doing a second volume that actually talks about Alaska's role in the Cold War era, because we had a massive role in that. But I don't know. My life has taken another turn, so maybe not. We'll think about it.
0: About how long was the process, from when you started writing it to when it hit store shelves?
10: A little over a year. It took me five weeks to write the book. The rest of it was the process, and that's fine. There has to be an established process.
0: Absolutely. Do you have any words of advice now? You know, a lot of our listeners right now are aspiring authors. What words of wisdom could you give them?
10: Well, the words of wisdom I would give would be, make sure you triple check all of your facts, make sure that everything is to the T, the T's are crossed, the I's are dotted, all that good stuff. And as I said before, go with Christian faith because they make it very easy
0: to work with them. Yeah, it's really wise to partner with a reputable publisher who's been down this road many, many times and can anticipate a lot of the things that you might encounter along the way and get you in a really good position.
10: Correct. That and their publicity, their press releases, everything else, they do a fantastic job.
0: Now, when you're writing, it can be a lonely thing because normally you're just doing the whole thing by yourself. Did you have people who knew you were working on this and could be there to back you up and maybe give you encouragement along the way?
10: Well, definitely my husband and the staff at the museum was very helpful. In fact, I had to turn to them to get some photos, but yes, they were very encouraging. Hmm.
0: Can you tell me the thoughts or emotions going through you whenever you got this first book in your hands?
10: Oh my gosh, is this for real? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I never thought that a first-time author with, you know, first shot out of the cannon would score. So this has been a humbling experience in that respect.
0: So could you give me an example? What do you think is one of the most surprising things about Alaska that people don't know about?
10: That the Battle of Attu actually occurred and there was a World War II land battle in North America. Hmm. They don't know that there were Attuans, the indigenous people that were taken to Japan and detained in a camp. Almost half of them would lose their lives there. Wow. People just don't know this story. And the sad part is even even Alaskans, it is part of Alaskan history, but even Alaskans, the majority do not know the story. I mean, after all, come on, the Japanese came onto the islands in June of 1942, and we didn't take the islands back until we took Attu back starting in May 43. And then we went on to a deserted Kiska because the Japanese had pulled all of their troops out by submarine and under cover of another storm. Wow. So people, they simply don't know that. They don't know of the heroism of the defenders of Attu in particular. Mm-hmm. It actually was the second most costly battle in the Pacific War, the second only to Iwo Jima. But folks folks do not know that. The historians will tell you that the Battle of Attu was simply a sidelight to Midway. Well, I got news for you. To the guys who fought there, it was no sidelight. Wow. And this story needs to be told. People need to know it. After all, that was only the second time we had been invaded and occupied in our history, in U.S. history. Wow
0: truly is an important story to tell, and Sue Ellen, thank you for your hard work to get this really important history out to us. The name of the book is Alaska Veterans, written by Sue Wright Novak, retired colonel of the United States Air Force. It's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find this everywhere that you shop for books, on Amazon and Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Well, Suellen thanks again for coming on the show here tonight. I had a nice time finding more out about Alaska and about the history that's out there, and it was just really nice chatting with you.